Greetings from St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, here in the very heart of the City of London. We're delighted that you're tuning in to this podcast. St Bride's is famous for its ministry to journalists, and behind me you can see our journalists' commemorative altar, but we are, of course, here for you all. Do please leave a comment or a like and tell us where you're listening from. It's always wonderful to hear from you. And if you would like to donate to help support these services, you will find details in the accompanying text. And now, may the light and peace of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It is a great delight to welcome you to St Bride's to our choral Eucharist on this, the second Sunday after Trinity. Wherever you are in the world and however you are listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St Bride's family. We begin with our opening prayer. Let us pray. We say together, Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. Let us confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. Almighty God, 
our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past, and grant that we may serve you in newness of life, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We stand for the glory.
Lord, you have taught us that all our doings without love are nothing worth. Send your Holy Spirit and pour into our hearts that most excellent gift of love, the true bond of peace and of all virtues, without which whoever lives is counted dead before you. Grant this for your only Son, Jesus Christ's sake, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. Thus says the Lord God, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and will set it out. I will break off from the topmost of its young twigs a tender one, and I myself will plant it upon a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel I will plant it, that it may bring forth boughs and bear fruit, and become a noble cedar, and under it will dwell all kinds of beasts. In the shade of its branches birds of every sort will nest. And all the trees of the field shall know that I, the Lord, bring low the high tree, and make high the low tree, dry up the green tree, and make the dry tree flourish. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. from the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians. So we are always of good courage. 
we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive good or evil according to what he has done in the body. For the love of Christ controls us, because we are convinced that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a po human point of view, even though we once regarded Christ from a human point of view. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Lord, 
such a large crowd gathered around Jesus that he got into a boat and began to teach them using many parables. Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed upon the ground and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should sprout and grow, he knows not how. The earth produces of itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Jesus also said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown upon the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs, and puts forth large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables he spoke the word to them, as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples he explained everything. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I am not generally in the habit of quoting posts from Twitter during my sermons, but I did spot the following the other day, which was too painfully accurate to ignore. It is an imagined dialogue between the individual who made the post and Jesus on the subject of book purchasing. Some of you will doubtless recognise the gospel incident upon which this little exchange was based. Jesus, should I buy this new book? Jesus replies, show me the latest new books you have read. Answer, I have no new books I have read. Jesus, you are right in saying, I have no new books I have read, for you have 26 new books, and the ones you now own you have not read. I must put up my hands at this point. Insofar as I do have an abiding vice, it is in the purchasing of many books. I do actually read them eventually, well, most of them, but my basic life situation can at times feel rather uncomfortably close to the incident described, with ever-growing mountains of those books that I haven't quite got round to reading yet in my study and in my living room and in my bedroom. So just occasionally I discover a real treasure amongst books that I have forgotten that I even have in my possession. And one of those that I discovered not too long ago was a little book written by one of my favourite authors on spirituality, Henry Nouwen. I'd never got around to reading it before. It was called Adam, God's Beloved. What a peculiar title, I thought to myself, automatically assuming that the Adam, who is named there, must be the Adam whose story is told in the book of Genesis. How on earth could anyone describe him as God's beloved when he is surely most famous for his catastrophic fall from God's favour and his eviction from the Garden of Eden? So, finding myself intrigued, I had a quick dip inside that book and soon found myself completely and utterly hooked. Indeed, because it is a very slender volume, I ended up reading the whole thing pretty much in one sitting. I swiftly discovered that the Adam named in the title was not in fact the Adam of the book of Genesis, as I had assumed. It was a man called Adam Arnott, who died in Toronto in 1996 at the age of 34. 
But his story, the story that Henry Nouwen tells in his book, is nevertheless a remarkable one. A word about the author before I say any more. Henry Nouwen, the author of that book, was a Dutch, a Dutch Roman Catholic priest and a distinguished academic who worked as a university lecturer for over 20 years and who was a highly successful writer in the area of Christian spirituality. So it astonished everyone who knew him when, in 1986, he said goodbye to that life and went instead to join the L'Arche community in Toronto. For any of you who are unfamiliar with it, L'Arche was and is a groundbreaking group of Christian communities originally founded in France in the 1960s. The name means simply the Ark. They are houses in which a core group of people with learning difficulties live alongside able-bodied volunteers in a fully integrated community. L'Arche has successfully overturned most of the assumptions people have traditionally held about those who have learning difficulties and their care, because it recognizes that the core members often have much to teach their able-bodied co-residents. Even though the founder of L'Arche has since fallen from grace, the vision of L'Arche and its extraordinary work continues. And it was in one of those L'Arche houses that Henry Nouwen encountered Adam Arnott. Adam had been severely epileptic throughout his life. He had very restricted mobility. He was unable to speak or to communicate through any normal channels. He was unable to express affection or love in any conventional way. He needed constant assistance and support with the most basic of tasks. And when Henry Nouwen first arrived at L'Arche, he was charged with the task of helping Adam with his early morning routine. This meant getting him up, dressing him, shaving him, brushing his teeth, taking him to the dining room, and helping him to eat his breakfast. Because of the severity of Adam's disability, the whole procedure could take two hours. And Nouwen admitted that he was aghast at being entrusted with this duty. Surely this was a task that needed specialist skills that he didn't have, especially as Nouwen regarded himself as one of the most impractical human beings on the planet. Initially, Nouwen was forever calling on the assistance of one of the other volunteers to help him with the various tasks that he had to do for Adam. And he felt deeply frustrated and annoyed by the sheer length of time that everything took. All that time every morning simply to get this man up. But whenever Nouwen asked why it was that he, of all people, had been asked to undertake that particular job, the cheerful answer that he received from the other members of the community was always the same. This is so that you can get to know Adam, he was told. At the time, that answer baffled him. But gradually, in the process of being there with Adam for that length of time every day, Nouwen describes how he began to learn. He began to discover things, not simply about Adam, but about himself. In particular, he learned about his own impatience. He soon found out that it did not do to rush Adam. If he tried to do so, Adam simply couldn't cope. Adam's routine had to happen at Adam's pace or not at all. And so gradually, Nouwen began to adapt what he did to follow Adam's rhythm and to adapt his own ways to Adam's ways. And something else started to happen as well. Nouwen began to talk to Adam. 
He was never sure quite how much Adam could hear or understand, but Adam was there, and in his own peculiar way, he was always very attentive. Before long, Nowen was not only speaking to Adam, but bearing his soul to him. He came to value Adam as a trusted listener to whom he could tell absolutely anything. Nowen wrote this. What was amazing about all this was the very gradual realization that Adam really was there for me, listening with his whole being and offering me a safe space to be. As the weeks and months went by, I grew attached to my one or two hours a day with Adam. They became my quiet hours, the most reflective and intimate time of the day. Indeed, they became like a long prayer time. And Nowen began to learn other things from Adam as well. Again, I quote, Adam was the one who opened me to the realization that the greatest gift I could offer to him was my own open hand and open heart to receive from him his precious gift of peace. In this exchange, I was enriched, and so was he. Adam had an astonishing capacity to transform the lives of those whom he encountered. Those who spent time with him found themselves able to discover and reflect upon their own vulnerabilities and disabilities in a way that was profoundly liberating. Men such as Adam could not speak, and yet, as Nowen started to recognize, he himself spoke far too much. Adam could not walk, but Nowen reflected that he was himself forever running around as if life was one emergency after another. Adam needed help with the most basic daily tasks, and yet it was Nowen who was forever shouting for help. Again, I quote from his book. When I had the courage to look deeper, to face my emotional neediness, my inability to pray, my impatience and restlessness, my many anxieties and fears, the word handicap started to have a whole new meaning. The fact that my handicaps were less visible than those of Adam and his housemates did not make them any less real. And he observed in Adam that quiet, peaceful, steady human being, an inner light that was radiant, that was of God. He came to see that Adam's way, the way of vulnerability, was also the way of Jesus. Adam Arnott died of heart failure at the age of 34. At his funeral, hundreds of people turned up. Hundreds of them. The people whose lives he had touched in his own quiet way and who mourned his loss deeply. Two of our biblical readings this morning describe how the most unpromising of living things can yield the most astonishing results. In Ezekiel, we heard how the tiniest, most tender sprig from the highest branch of the cedar tree grows and bears fruit and becomes a mighty tree giving shelter to every kind of bird. And in our gospel reading, it is the mustard seed, the smallest, most insignificant seed of all, that becomes the greatest of shrubs, so that birds can similarly nest in its shade. The most insignificant of seeds 
really can bear the most extraordinary of fruits. And in the same way, the Christian faith constantly challenges us to rethink our assumptions and our attitudes about the things that matter in life and the things that do not. To look for new life and new hope in precisely those places where such things appear to be marked by their very absence. And sometimes, as Henry Nouwen discovered so very memorably, sometimes we need people like Adam to remind us of that. Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Christ. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we pray for the people of Palestine and Israel that they may achieve lasting peace among and between one another, accepting and respecting each other's differences, upholding human rights. We pray that the new governing coalition may achieve reconciliation in the interests of the welfare of all members of society. Dear Lord, please reveal your guiding spirit to the leaders of all the nations who have gathered in our country for the G7 summit May they work together in the spirit of compassion and progress to sustain a healthy, green environment, free from the ravages of disease. May they act with concern for the less advantaged, those who are unable to speak for and look after themselves. May altruism reign in your honour. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Dear Lord, we pray for your guidance along a path of prudence as we begin to blossom during the easing of restrictions. Help us to realise that impatience could cost lives. Help us to step cautiously and patiently rather than speedily. There will be changes in our lives which we may have welcomed but still seem unsettling. We will follow you as the people did when you first entered our ancestors' lives. We pray for those who are grieving for the loved ones they have lost during the pandemic, whose lives have changed dramatically and unavoidably. We pray for those who are suffering from the aftermath of illness. For all these broken souls, festivity is no solace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for all those working in the media who have risked their lives to report about the attacks 
in the lands of Palestine and Israel, and the conflicts in Hong Kong and Belarus, and what has fueled all this turmoil. We pray for all those working in the media in any region who determine to share the truth. In our Christian community, we pray for our Sunday school children and those who lead them with joy. We thank them for their commitment to our church, their focus on the environment. We pray for Alison and Jeff, our Virgil Robin, our staff, Claire and James and Sally, our church wardens, our newly appointed church warden, Leslie Ann, our PCC and recently joined PCC member, John, and our choir. May we hear all their voices in our church on a Sunday to come. Dear Lord, as we emerge from our cocoons, help us to walk with joy rather than leap with joy. Help us to value the rain and the clouds and the sun and its warmth, the flowers of June, the peonies and poppies, and each other for all our faults and frailties and for our friendship. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Will you please stand? Christ is our peace. He has reconciled us to God in one body by the cross. We meet in his name and we share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. It is indeed right, it is our duty and our joy, at all times and in all places, to give you thanks and praise. Holy Father, Heavenly King, Almighty and Eternal God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. For he is your living word. Through him you have created all things from the beginning and formed us in your own image. Through him you have freed us from the slavery of sin, giving him to be born of a woman and to die upon the cross. You raised him from the dead and exalted him to your right hand on high. Through him you have sent upon us your holy and life-giving spirit and made us a people for your own possession. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and singing.
accept our praise as Heavenly Father through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood, who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of death. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts, in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your, holy, by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours for ever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. We do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Amen.
Let us pray. Loving Father, we thank you for feeding us at the supper of your Son. Sustain us with your Spirit, that we may serve you here on earth until our joy is complete in heaven and we share in the eternal banquet with Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.